0: Slow Burn Media and Bill Huffman present Who Killed, a podcast that provides a voice for the voiceless.
1: 34 years later, and it is still unclear what happened to Janelle Matthews. Police say no body has ever been found, no suspect ever arrested, but they're not giving up and tell us modern tools, among other things, might help them solve this case. Taped to the front door of the Greeley Police Department is a new missing person poster but the case of 12 year old Janelle Matthews is decades older than even this building.
2: The possibility that something will come forward. We have to just keep trying.
1: Janelle was a 7th grader in 1984 it just finished a Christmas choir performance. Police said a friend and the friend's father dropped Janelle off at her house. About an hour later her family came home but Janelle was gone her shoes left behind, the front door open, the television still on. It has. Sergeant Joseph Timkowicz was a young officer back then.
2: There was a all hands on deck call and just about anybody and everybody who would respond to a phone call or could respond to a phone call uh, was called in throughout the night and the rest of the day.
1: Days became years and a decade later, Janelle's family told reporters they believe she'd been kidnapped and killed. The community said their official goodbye. You had 12
0: years of light.
2: This is one of those cases that never closes. Uh, it'll be there until we we do resolve. It.
1: 34 years later, Greeley police released video from that night hoping to jog some memories.
2: Put it out there in the public and let them think about. Hey yeah, I remember that night or I remember seeing this car or I remember seeing that person walking.
1: Police believe someone who knows what happened might have lived in the community or nearby at the time. Maybe still does. Greeley police will not give specifics, but said advances in forensic technology and scientific testing could lead to new answers.
2: We could get a piece of evidence tonight, tomorrow or the next day that will resolve the entire case. And that's why we have to keep looking, keep searching.
1: Greeley police will be recontacting witnesses and people who interacted with Janelle before her disappearance. And they hope that if you have any information, you will call police. There's a cash reward in this case, even if you have been interviewed before, police said. Reporting in Greeley, Jennifer Meckles, Nine News.
0: Hello and welcome to episode 130 of Who Killed? I am your host, Bill Huffman, and this is a Slow Burn Media podcast. I hope you guys have had a great week. I also hope some of you were able to check out the Dateline from last Friday about Amy Maholovic. As you know, I made my bones covering her case with the Who Killed Amy Maholovic podcast. You know, the one that led to the one that you're currently listening to? The bottom line is that it is great to get the national attention from a show like Dateline, but there's only so much they can cover in an hour. If you want to take a deep dive, I suggest the investigation discovery Lake Erie Murders, three-part series. That covered the Mahalovic case. Or you can scroll all the way back to episode one of this podcast that I did on Amy. I believe there are anywhere from 16 to 25 episodes with guests ranging from her father to the chief of police to Phil Torsney to Mr. Renner himself, Nick from the True Crime Garage, Christy Gibbons and, you know, all the players involved. Again, if you're interested in learning more about that case, please go back and check it out and you can either do it via television or via my podcast Who Killed Amy Maholovic? October 27th, 1989 is the first episode of that particular podcast. And it is incredibly hard to get the attention of a show like Dateline And I know that when James Renner was writing his book on Amy, he wrote letters to the producers pleading with them to cover her case. All of his letters are in his Kent State archive. He has long been the leader of the band when it came to trying to get these shows to cover her case. Now, I tried doing my part back in 2019 when I gave the Dateline producer my card at CrimeCon and had the question who killed Amy Maholovic? again with my podcast on it. The show may not have brought us any closer to finding the killer, much like my podcast, but what the coverage did is it brought the power of the Dateline brand, and thanks to them, the case now has been seen by millions of people for the very first time. And it's not very common for Dateline to cover unsolved cases, but I'm certainly glad that they chose Amy's. Now we are left to wait to see what happens with this newfound publicity. But we're not here to talk about Amy's case. We could always talk about Amy's case. But today, we are here to talk about another case from the 1980s and a 12-year-old girl by the name of Jonelle Matthews who was abducted and murdered in a quiet suburb 50 miles north of Denver. And thanks to great reporting from the Coloradoan, the Greeley Tribune, the Idaho Statesman, and many more for covering Janelle's case throughout the years. So I'm going to take you back a few days before Christmas in 1984 on December 20th. On this night, one family's life would be turned upside down, and a town would be left with a horrible mystery. This was when 12-year-old Janelle disappeared. She was last seen about 8 p.m., entering her house at 3.20 43rd Avenue Court. Janelle had performed in a holiday concert with the Franklin Middle School Honor Choir in Greeley earlier that evening. She was dropped off at home by a friend and her friend's father. Now, Jim Matthews, Janelle's father, came home about an hour later after attending a basketball game for his oldest daughter, Jennifer. He found Janelle's shoes and a shawl near a heater in the family room. And according to reports, this is usually when she watched TV and Janelle would sit close to the heater. When he couldn't locate his daughter, Mr. Matthews phoned the police. Now, there were footprints in the snow around the house. And the girl's disappearance instantly became one of the biggest mysteries in the history of Greeley. And Janelle was in the seventh grade at Franklin Middle School. She was an active member in her church, Sunnyview Church of the Nazarene. And she is said to have been a very outgoing and independent personality. And at the time of her disappearance, Janelle lived with her father, Jim, her mother, Gloria, and her sister, Jennifer. Greeley police officers said they had a reason to believe an individual with direct knowledge of Janelle's disappearance might have resided in Greeley or the surrounding area at the time and might still be residing in the community. Police thought the person likely knew Janelle and had previously interacted with the 12-year-old. Again, Greeley was about half the size that it is today, and it was basically considered a small town when Janelle disappeared. The Coloradoans say Greeley was, quote, a place where kids rode their bikes on dirt roads past farmers' fields, explored ravines, and sold Girl Scout cookies door-to-door. On the night Janelle went, was last seen, Christmas presents were already tucked beneath trees, and holiday lights blinked from rooftops and reflected in the snow. Before Janelle went missing, parents let their children play outside with little worry. Well, that all changed on a dime when Janelle disappeared from her family's two-story clapboard home in Greeley. Again, her house sat on a quiet street and caused parents in the, the neighborhood to become a lot more paranoid. And, of course, investigators launched a wide-scale search. But, again, this just led to more frustration for the investigators. An interesting fact is that her picture was one of the first to show up on the missing kids' milk cartons. And you can look it up with the article, I believe it was the Milk Carton Kids, And they do reference Janelle. There was no trace ever found of Janelle. There were no arrests and no evidential DNA and no answers. Of course, this was 1984. So a bulletin went out to area residents and they were asked to aid in a countywide search for Janelle Matthews, who had been missing since December 20th, the bulletin read. The search was being sponsored by the friends and relatives of Janelle Matthews. And it took place on that Saturday, February 9th, which would have been Janelle's 13th birthday. Now, the group was requesting property owners aid in the search by setting aside that day to search their own property, checking all outbuildings, wells, irrigation ditches and garages. Police officials suggest that those participating in the search were to wear warm clothes, boots and gloves. And they should also bring a flashlight, a sack lunch, and have a full tank of gas and a spare tire. Volunteers may have to drive more than 100 miles in the search. At a news conference after a five-hour meeting with the Millers, Mrs. Matthews said she hopes to get volunteers to help type addresses so that a reward poster on Janelle Matthews can be sent to every sheriff's department in the country. So far, Matthews estimated about 2,000 posters... With Janelle's photo had gone out and Mrs. Miller had contacted the Matthews family last week after seeing them on television and of course this is according to the Coloradoan and she had had a daughter go missing and she felt like she could help and so she was basically counseling the parents and basically in a sense these were the people that they had to turn to. It's One of those things, you end up in a not particularly fun type of club if you lose a child. And all these parents who are the parents of missing or murdered children definitely have a common bond. And that was definitely seen in this case where other parents who had had missing children really did help Gloria and Jim Matthews. It's really cool that those types of families can come together and help one another cope. Jim and Gloria Matthews had Janelle officially declared dead in 1994, 10 years after her disappearance. There was a funeral service, and dozens of family friends said goodbye. Lieutenant Brad Goldschmidt said, Janelle's DNA is on the national database in case something turns up, but they had no DNA from a suspect at the scene of her abduction. Hundreds of volunteers showed up for the search all around Greeley. At a time when child abductions seemed prevalent, the story of Janelle's became national headlines. Her parents appeared on national TV talk shows and programs about missing children. Again, something that we've seen in many of the cases that I've covered, Amy's case being the most Particular one that I would like to reference there because Margaret really did her due diligence and was on every show that she could at the time. And this went for Jim and Gloria, the same thing. They went and did their due diligence to keep their daughter's name in the spotlight. And, you know, they sent out thousands of reward posters and it was just one of those things that you do everything that you can. It's John Walsh has always said that if you have a missing child, it is your job to be their number one cheerleader. So her parents appeared on national TV talk shows and programs about missing children. Thousands of reward posters of the girl were produced and distributed. But the case went cold. I mean, it is what it is. President Reagan even mentioned Janelle in one of his national addresses. Reagan said the girl, quote, would have celebrated a Happy 13th birthday with her family just last month. But five days before Christmas, Janelle disappeared from her home. Over the years, investigators pursued hundreds of leads in a cold case that was really familiar to longtime Greeley area residents. Janelle had been adopted by the Matthewses, and her birth mother was checked to see if there was any connection to the girl's disappearance, and police said she was definitely not a suspect. Jim and Gloria Matthews now live in Costa Rica, And the big break came after, oh, a mere three and a half decades when human bones were discovered by workers in Weld County. And those were of Janelle Matthews, a 12-year-old girl who vanished from her West Greeley home on December 20th, 1984. Despite initial extensive searches for Matthews and her face being printed on the side of milk cartons, part of the flood of pre-Amber Alert missing milk carton kids of the 1980s, her case quickly went cold. It was a work crew excavating in a rural part of the county, near County Road 49 and County Road 34 half when they discovered the remains about 4.50 p.m., and this is according to the Greeley Police Department, Police said staffers with the Weld County Coroner's and Sheriff's Office went to the scene to investigate. Based on the new evidence and a coroner's examination of the remains, a positive identification of Matthews has been made. Janelle's sister, Jennifer Mogensen remembered Janelle as a, quote, strong, independent, opinionated 12-year-old. She knew what she wanted and how things should be done, unquote. Now, Mogensen had told the Associated Press after the body was recovered. She was a junior in high school at the time and said she was playing her varsity basketball the night her younger sister disappeared. Again, the family's house was empty when Janelle was taken home because their father was at the game and their mother was out of state. The remains were found in an area south of Greeley and east of Milton Reserve as workers were installing a pipe to an oil and gas site investigators would not say how she was killed and they wouldn't divulge whether or not there was dna on her clothing quote we're trying to digest everything that's happened over the last four weeks lead police detective robert cash told the sun mike peters and many of the original Greeley cops who investigated janelle's case figured they wouldn't live to see the day that she was found but when the day came shock went through the starbucks table where the So-called grumpy old men drinking coffee trade stories once a week. This is from the Coloradoan or the Greeley Tribune. I believe it was the Greeley Tribune. In January of 2015, Mike Peters gave a timeline to the Greeley Tribune. 30 years ago today, this is what we know happened in a West Greeley home to 12-year-old Janelle Matthews. Even after one of the most intense investigations in Greeley police history, little is actually known about that night. And this is the timeline. December 20th, 1984. Janelle was part of the Franklin Middle School Choir, which performed at a local bank in the evening. Her mother, Gloria, was on a trip to California. Her father was at her sister's basketball game. At 8.15 p.m., Janelle was brought home by friend Deanne and her father. She was dropped off in front of their home on the 300 block of 43rd Avenue Court, and they watched Janelle go inside. That's the last time she was seen by friends or family. At 8.30 p.m., Janelle took a phone call from a friend of her father's and said he would return home from the game soon. At 9.30 p.m., Jim Matthews, who was a principal at Platte Valley Elementary School in Kersey, arrived home from the basketball game. The garage door was opened, and no one was in the house. In the TV room, Janelle's favorite place to watch TV was set up with a pillow, and a nearby space heater that she liked to use to keep warm. But Janelle was nowhere to be found. He thinks she probably walked over to a neighbor. Jim wraps a Christmas package, thinking her daughter would, his daughter would return soon. At 10 p.m., Jennifer comes home. Jim asks about Janelle, and Jennifer said she had not seen her. Jim becomes worried and calls their pastor and friend, James Christie, who tells Jim to call the police, and he does. At 10.15, Greeley police respond, ask questions, and begin a house and neighborhood search. Around midnight, Gloria Matthews calls the house to tell her family she's arrived in California. Jim tells her the terrible news that Janelle has been missing since 8.30 p.m. Gloria catches the first plane home the following morning. Thus began the disappearance of Janelle Matthews. Police found no forced entry to the house. But there were footprints around the outside, as if someone was looking through the windows. The garage door was left open, but there were no signs of a scuffle in the snow. For the next year, there were countless searches, newspapers, and television stories, contacts through national organizations. The case just went cold. According to Peters, quote, It was such an odd discovery, right in the middle of an oil field 20 miles away from her house. Now, Matthew's remains were found in the same clothing that she wore to the choir concert the indictment read. At the time of the new discovery, none of them had heard the name Steve Pankey. Neither had former Chief Garner. But now, Pankey, 68, has been identified as a person of interest in the investigation. A series of weird connections to the Matthews family and some Bizarro claims by Panky had made for a combative relationship, according to the papers, between him and the Greeley police. But authorities did stop short of naming him as a suspect at the time. In 1984, Steve was 33 years old. He was married to Angela Hicks, and they had a son. And that name may sound familiar, because it's kind of bizarre, because there was another case that I covered with the same victim's name. Angela Hicks, but definitely not related. Interesting coincidence, though. According to an article on Medium by Martina Pekova, there were multiple reports of him having money troubles. A trailer park owner filed an action against him in 1976 for harassment and death threats. In 1977, a woman he knew from church accused him of raping her. Pinky eventually moved to Idaho, and he was a quote-unquote, two-time failed candidate for governor. Greeley said he, was ho- he said he was home the night that Janelle disappeared, but was unaware of her disappearance until he returned from a trip on the night of December 26, 1984, and heard about the case on the news. He denied any involvement, but Panky did claim to have some strained connections with Janelle's family. He says that on December 27th, 1984, a week after Janelle vanished, his estranged father-in-law, who was a gravedigger, dropped a strange remark about a body that needed to be buried, and then just left. Again, he did tell the police about this, but it's just bizarre. In 2008, Steven Angela's son was shot to death by his girlfriend. Crazy twist of events there. He insists he was so worried about the conversation that he had with his estranged father-in-law that he actually told the FBI about it the following week on the advice of his attorney. Panky talks about a volatile relationship that he had with the last known person to see Janelle alive. He claims that Russ Ross, who dropped Janelle off at her home around eight PM on the night of December twentieth, assaulted him in the nineteen seventies over Panky's attempt to start a union at the Seven Up Bottling Company where the both of them worked. Now Panky also says he was the youth pastor at the Sunnyview Church of the Nazarene, which Janelle's family later attended after he was kicked out. And that's questionable because that's what he told the son, and he said he was accused of raping the piano player charges which were later dropped after he took a polygraph test. The church actually claims Panky was never a youth pastor there, and police say they have corroborated Panky's statement with the alleged rape victim. Records of the charges from 1977 are no longer available. Panky did move to Idaho in 1989, and that was five years after Janelle went missing. And Stephen Panky kind of comes from a long line of successful politicians. He is the great-grandson of B.F. Panky, the former lieutenant governor of New Mexico, and a prominent cattle rancher in the southwest before he lost his wealth due to drought, and that was according to his 1929 obituary. He says that he has been in touch with Idaho authorities throughout the years regarding the Greeley cold case. And he was even contacted by them when John Binet Ramsey, of all people, was murdered in 1996. He told them that he suspects it was because authorities might have linked two Colorado girls who died at Christmas time. Interesting that he would just be tuck- talking to the sun about this. It's just ridiculous. Hi, I'm
1: Matt Harris. Seton Tucker and I
0: to Dana Panky Jr. and his wife, Ruth. Dana Panky Jr. was a minister, as was his father, Evangelist and Reverend Dana Panky Sr., from 1941 to 1942, Dr. Pinkey Sr. served as a pastor of Greeley's Bethel Baptist Church, according to historic newspapers. However, he claims that on August 15th, just weeks after the discovery of Janelle's body, two Greeley detectives visited him at his Idaho townhome and accused him of being involved in the girl's disappearance and death. On September 4th, gun-toting SWAT officers from Colorado and Idaho surrounded and then searched his home and confiscated his two 2019 Subarus, which were later returned, and a variety of other items. One item of interest was a CD from his son's funeral which Panky figures may have been in interest because of a rumor, one which he, of course, denies that he mentioned Janelle while, quote, over his son's ashes at the service. He first told the Idaho statesman that he was a suspect in the Janelle murder investigation, and then he gave the lengthy interviews to the Colorado Sun, in which he claimed that he gave a DNA sample to Greeley police. Panky gave an hour and 47-minute interview to The Sun. The next day, he referred questions to a newly retained lawyer. He told Panky not to give further interviews. Probably some good advice to a possible murder suspect. So a grand jury in Colorado began investigating the death, and Panky was subpoenaed, and he even told the statesman that he had been subpoenaed to testify. Authorities searched the Twin Falls home of Panky, serving him a warrant that said investigators had probable cause to believe that he kidnapped and killed Janelle. Pinky said that he had been waiting for 35 years to tell his story and is confident he is not a suspect. I am being transparent. I am not running from this, he said. I am more eager to answer questions under oath. The authorities announced that Stephen Panky, a former Greeley resident who had moved to Idaho, had been indicted on charges of first-degree murder and kidnapping in Janelle's death. According to a grand jury indictment, on December 20, 1984, Mr. Panky was armed with a gun and took Janelle from her home and killed her during the course of the kidnapping. Now, Greeley is a city of nearly 110,000 people and is about 50 miles north of Denver. Mayor John Gates was working on the city's police force at the time of Janelle's disappearance. And he recalled there was evidence at the sh- scene that showed that she might have been abducted. Mr. Pankey had long been a person of interest in Janelle's disappearance, according to police. They said he, quote intentionally inserted himself in the investigation many times over the years, claiming to have knowledge of the crime, which grew inconsistent and incriminating over time, the indictment went on to say adding that he repeatedly asked for immunity in exchange for information. Well, that's one way to get yourself a target of an investigation. Ask for immunity for information before they even know what that information is. Good stuff. Not bright. Wonder why you're a killer. Among the details he gave law enforcement personnel was that a rake had been used to cover up tracks in the snow on the evening that she was taken, and that was according to the indictment. (laughs) Mr. Panky had watched children walk home from the middle school that Janelle attended, it also stated. Now, the Coloradoan reported Panky acted erratically in the days following the girl's disappearance. Angela Hicks, his wife at the time, told investigators he asked her to read him newspaper accounts about the case. The indictment says that Janelle died from a gunshot wound to her forehead, and Panky is accused of shooting her during the course of the kidnapping. Attorney Michael Rourke called the discovery of the remains significant, but he said that Panky had been a person of interest since 2018, and Panky told the Times newspaper last week, now this was back in 2018, that he was being framed. Panky attended the same church as Matthews in 1978, and there may be, have been some connection through that, according to Rourke. Panky was, and I believe is still... Well, he was at the time being held at the Ada County, Idaho jail on no bail. He was eventually extradited from Idaho to Colorado to face the charges. And his attorney, Anthony J. Vorst, told NBC affiliate KUSA of Denver that, "Quote, the fact that they waited 36 years to indict him reflects the fact that they don't have any evidence. There's never been any evidence. I anticipated he will be exonerated." of all charges. Panky claimed to the Idaho Statesman in 2019 that on the night of Janelle's disappearance, he was home with his wife at the time and was loading up his car for a visit to California to visit family for Christmas. And they were planning to leave the next day. But in the indictment, it says other evidence considered by the grand jury in returning this indictment against Panky was that his now ex-wife said the trip actually started on December 22nd. 1984, two days after Janelle went missing, and that the trip was actually not planned and was unexpected. The ex-wife said that on the way back, Panky uncharacteristically listened to the radio searching for the news of the girl's disappearance, and when they got back to Greeley on December 26, as I mentioned before, he forced her to read newspaper articles about the case. After getting back home, Panky began digging in their yard and a car was on their property that was on their property caught fire and was disposed of at a salvage yard according to the indictment. I mean, I'm going to say this. Clearly that's a red flag, but she may have been too close to the situation to connect the dots. I know there are people listening who are saying, "Quote, why didn't she go to the police then?" Now it's a valid question, but one that is also a bit unfair, because none of us know what was going on in her mind. She eventually told police what she thought was odd, so in my opinion, she was the linchpin in bringing down her husband, ex-husband. And at the time of Matthew's disappearance, Panky and his wife lived about two miles from her home, and I've stated that before, but in 1980, he lived about 10 miles north of the remote site where her remains were eventually found. And again, this is all information that came out of the grand jury indictment. Panky's ex-wife said that in 2008, she heard Panky say at the funeral of his son, who had been murdered, as I mentioned before, quote, I hope God didn't allow this to happen because of Janelle Matthews. According to the Weld County District Attorney's Office, Panky's been charged with one count of murder in the first degree after deliberation. One count of murder in the first degree felony murder, second-degree kidnapping, and two counts of crime of violence, which are described as sentencing enhancements. A trial date is being set, and the date is actually October 6th, and they expect the trial to last about four and a half weeks. So, to set the trial for October, Panky has waived his right to a speedy trial, which was supposed to take place within six months of the not guilty plea he entered in early February. This accused killer has pleaded not guilty to the kidnapping, and the trial was originally meant to take place in July, but there were some legal issues. And when Panky finally did enter his plea, Janelle's parents and sister were both in the courtroom. And again we will find out in just a matter of months what really happened and what the verdict will be. And after waiting 34 years, what's another few weeks? And let's certainly hope that it leads to a guilty verdict and some answers for her family and maybe a bit of closure for the Greeley community. And on that note, I must bid you farewell. Until next week, thank you so much for tuning in. As you know, you can find new episodes of Who Killed every Friday, wherever you get your favorite podcast. Thank you to everyone who's helped make this show possible. I know it's cliche to say, but it's true. When I say every contribution, big or small, helps keep these slow burn podcasts running. With that being said, if you do enjoy the shows, you can help support my podcast empire, (laughs) which is far from an empire, via PayPal, with my username at William Huffman 3 or if you have the Venmo app, you can use my username at Bill-Huffman-3. And you can also support the show by leaving a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Those five stars help to keep the important cases that I cover, such as all the unsolved cases that I've covered in the spotlight, If you'd like to stay up to date on the new cases that are coming down the pipeline, follow me on Twitter at BillHuffman3. And again, thank you so much for listening. Until next time, be healthy and stay safe.